Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Welcome to Mortification of Spin. I'm here as usual with my two co-hosts, Todd Pruitt and Amy Bird. Today we're going to talk about the issue of Christian liberty, a party perennial in the Christian world that comes up again and again, sometimes in political context, sometimes in social context, sometimes merely in, in an ecclesiastical context, but an area where Christians are bound to have important disagreements. And I want to start off by asking a very simple question. Todd, yes. martial arts and yoga – Gateway to Satanism, can Christians legitimately engage in these clear proto-diabolical mm. right. activities? Well, obviously, your question is rhetorical because the answer is so obvious, so plainly obvious. Any participation in martial arts, yoga, any of the satanic stretching, as I call yoga, <laughs> is a gateway into Satanism. That's quite obvious, and I'm sure everyone here agrees are we really going here we are really going here <laughs> amy can a christian legitimately engage in yoga and if so why yes i mean it depends on what kind of yoga you're talking about i mean we're talking <laughs> satanic yoga what kind of there satanism is a secular form <laughs> what, what kind of hinduism of is is acceptable no, 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 no. just secular secular doing the hinduism that's what we're talking that about there's no such thing as secular yoga there is there is not there is there is not children I children I should I do the warrior pose oh, right please, now? Oh, please, please. I'll do it. House. I'll do the upward dog or whatever it is. <laughs> it's a downward dog. Yeah, it's a downward dog. Even Been worse. The upward dog. And it's all. It, yoga is How as do you much. How Christian yoga? Yo, oh, there's no such thing. Yo, uh, that's like. That's like <laughs> I agree um, with you there. Th that's like Hindu Lord's Supper. There's no such so, thing. You watch WWE, you're talking about Ric Flair being the best athlete ever. <laughs> That's when I was a kid. And but yoga. Yeah, yoga's a problem. Don't do a downward dog. Yoga is a problem because yoga is inherently a religious right. Now, it's hard for Christians. Well, so it's sometimes smoking. It's, it's hard for Christians. Oh, don't be silly. It's so hard for Christians. So smoking, are we inviting oh, please. in evil spirits? Please, please, please. Please, um, that's what I mean. Yoga is a religious rite. It is a Hindu religious rite. There's no way to Christianize it or secularize it. And, and the defense is always the same. Don't like, no, 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 don't the, care for the religious rite part. The, the, the defense is They're always the same. They're just doing a stretch. No, 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 no. That's what baseball players do before a baseball game. Baseball they stretch. players do yoga too. They, they, but what I'm saying is there's a difference between yoga and stretching, or else why not just call it Children. stretching? Children, if I could call this to order at this point. Oh, okay, sure. Uh, question is, what criteria <laughs> would one use to determine whether an activity such as yoga well, for example, is legitimate for Christians. I, was, I think that's where we get down to the, the serious question. Okay, so, so what criteria can we look at an activity such as satanic yoga and determine whether or not it is acceptable so for Christians doing, to do? If I was round kicking you mm -hmm. and I did it in the name Which of the Lord. I would have a move to block it, by the way, because you're just a girl. <laughs> okay, let's press it into, into less satanic territory. Okay. Sm <laughs> Smoking. Yes. Smoking. Can yes. a Christian legitimately smoke a pipe or a cigar? Yes. If so, why? If not, why not? 
Uh, yes. Um, personal taste is not an argument, by the way, uh, Tom. R- sure. I want, well, the, there, I want a proper argument here. Yeah, well, there's no biblical prohibition against it. But what happens if, if somebody says, but it's damaging your body, promotes um, risk of mouth cancer, lung cancer? Is there a biblical prohibition My body against is the downward in perfect dog? working order. Thank you very much. My, yeah, I mean, well, you know, again, you could say that about a whole lot of things. McDonald's. Yeah. Falafel. <laughs> so, <laughs> but if we're trying to get at the issue of Christian liberty, what sort of criteria then do we use to determine whether in a particular situation or even in life in general, a, a specific form of behavior or pattern of behavior or an activity is legitimate? I mean, let's, okay, let's I think make there's it- a complex of, of questions that have to be answered. First of all, is there a biblical prohibition? Now, I'm, you know, earlier I said that about smoking with a bit tongue in cheek, because sometimes we have to rely on principles rather than specific stated prohibitions. Is there a specific biblical prohibition that should answer the question right there? Or is there a clear whereby good and proper inference you can draw a principle that would prohibit a thing? And then does this violate the law of love? Does participating in this activity, does exercising this expression of liberty cause harm to another individual, even if it really shouldn't cause them harm. Stumbling block, yeah. maybe. Those are certainly three things that, that have to be answered. So let's bring it to an issue that I think is of pressing uh, importance in a lot of churches, and that's the issue of voting. Mm-hmm. Christian liberty vis-a-vis party politics. Todd would never vote for anyone who has ever done secular yoga. Absolutely not. Probably not. That's a deal breaker, people. It's a deal breaker. (laughs) But this seems to be something that has become particularly intense since the election of Donald Trump in the United States. Trump's election, love him, hate him. I doubt that anybody's totally indifferent to him. The country's polarized is no surprise to anybody. But the polarization of the church has been fascinating. Yes. And one of the things that's striking to me now, I'm just a resident alien. I didn't have the responsibility of voting last November. I take no responsibility for the results. (laughs) It did seem to me that the election contained two not quite equally, but certainly obnoxious candidates, neither of whom I regarded as particularly competent to hold the highest office in the land. That's just my personal opinion there. Mm -hmm. But the question comes down to... The kind of rhetoric that we're seeing used now, particularly by those who are either hardcore Trump supporters or those Christians who've been absolutely devastated by the election of Trump, Mm -hmm. the language seems to indicate that a lot of Christians do not think that this is a matter of Christian liberty. They may not put it in quite those terms, but the impression you get is that those who voted for Trump consider their opponents to be defective Christians in some significant way. And that view, that sentiment, that conviction is reciprocated by the other side. And it raises in an acute form for us the issue of Christianity and voting vis-a-vis Christian liberty. Mm -hmm. Is there Christian liberty when it comes to the ballot box? That's a really good question. And as a pastor, I wrestled with it a lot in how to answer people's questions. Obviously, this latest campaign where the two candidates, Mr. Trump and Mrs. Clinton, were the two only candidates, you know, one of them was going to be the president, made this very, very tricky in a lot of ways, because in one way or the other, you felt like you were kind of advocating the lesser of two of two evils. I chose to to vote third party candidate. Only time I've ever done that. I thought you told me you pulled the lever for Trump. (laughs) No. Um, And uh, you didn't. I I did not. Okay, But uh, I had more questions 
from people in my church about this election than any previous election combined easily. And I think because so many of them were wrestling with what such an, an awful choice they had before them. Now, what was interesting that, so that part was, didn't necessarily surprise me because I was in the same conundrum. Who, who do you vote for when this is your choice? What was interesting to me was how some of my fellow conservatives jumped aboard the Trump bandwagon and began to speak of him in near messianic terms. That's when I spoke into it. Which is, I have to say, I think the default American idiom at presidential elections that right, both sides quickly adopt messianic language about it, their candidate. It very can be. Now, I would say that typically you see that less among conservatives because conservatives tend to be more Ronald cynical. Reagan? Ronald Reagan, man. I'm telling you. The great messiah. Oh, listen, as popular as he was, you had near religious iconography uh, manufactured around Barack Obama. I saw enormous popularity with Ronald Reagan. I did not see the kind of near messianic expectations that oftentimes the left attach to their candidates. Now, that's a little subjective, but I, I think there's evidence to, it, to back that up. It could be connected to the more utopian Absolutely. Uh, trajectory of left-wing thinking, I is, guess, is, which would make is sense. That, yes. yeah. Conservatives tend to be more cynical about yeah. politicians because we believe in sin and we believe in fallenness. And so- but there are a lot the of conservative right, supporters. I mean, the religious right okay, now, is here, not cynical about now, its here, messianic figures. Now, here's the deal. This is what was so unusual about this election cycle, is the number of well-known conservative Christians who endorsed Donald Trump during the primary, when they had other conservatives on the ballot that they could have supported, but they supported you know, the one guy who, who made the cover of Playboy magazine, conservative Christians like Jerry Falwell Jr. And of course, there's the famous picture that Falwell Jr. and his wife have standing next to Donald Trump with the framed Playboy cover right above her shoulder, you know, which, which speaks volumes. And and so for me, that was where I had to step in and, and kind of offer some hopefully gentle words of correction, of reminding some people in my church, this man, you need to be very careful championing this man and using scripture such as Second Chronicles 5.17, as a way of, you know, this is, you know, Donald Trump is going to usher in a golden era of Christian America. And I heard some of that language. I saw a lot of it on, on social media. Well, I think, you know, as far as entering the ballot box, Christian liberty comes with a huge responsibility. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a lot harder than, you know, being legalistic about things or, or being aligned politically as the mm -hmm. church on one side or the other. There's people in my church who voted for Trump. There's people in my church who voted for Clinton. There's people in my church, like myself, who voted for someone else as a write-in. Mm -hmm. I believe and respect every person when in there critically thinking, or I hope, you know, mm -hmm. that's the responsibility that we have as Christians is to, to carry that weight into the ballot box with our vote and we're responsible for how we vote. So liberty doesn't mean that we can just do whatever we want or, right. you know, yeah. stay aligned with a certain party or, or anything like that. But it means that we have this responsibility according to our new reality in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so how do we represent that then? And, and how do we love our neighbor best mm -hmm. in, in our votes? Right. And so as a part of that, then we have to be careful not to bind the consciences of people where we don't have the biblical justification to say 
you can't do this. And so, for instance, I would never, ever from the pulpit say you have to vote for this person or you have to support this Mm -hmm. party, even though in my heart I'm saying, you know, here are some policy positions that make a person disqualified. Yeah, on your Facebook page, I'm told you make it pretty clear who you shouldn't vote for as a Christian. I I, uh, I was was relatively well behaved. That's not what I heard, man, but I don't do Facebook. Well, okay, I did. Okay, so this is interesting. So I posted a number of articles by people like David French from National Review, Mm. basically never Trump stuff Mm. from conservative standpoint. And during the primary season, I was happy to post those things because – I had so many people asking me about it. Even though I'm a pastor, I still want to interfere in no, no, negatively. I, that's, in the oh, that's hogwash. <laughs> that is hogwash. You know, when, 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 I mean, people need pastors to have opinions on these things, in my opinion. Mm. When they come and ask their pastor questions about voting and the presidency and that kind of thing, I think I need to give them more than just, I don't know. Yeah, although I think you, you need to set that against the background of, say, Christian liberty in general, and then an understanding of what the church is. Mm-hmm. Chapter 20 of the Westminster Confession, I think it's a very, very good statement of Christian liberty, because it begins by talking about Christian liberty as the freedom from the law. Christian liberty is fundamentally the freedom from the need to obey the law for our own salvation. Right. And that, of course, then connects to an understanding of the church. What is the church? The church is... That body that embodies and preaches proclaims the gospel, and the gospel is trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, and you're free from the law. Mm -hmm. And I think all of that understanding of Christian liberty and church power needs to be set against that background. And Mm -hmm. a lot of what I see is a confusion out there in the... uh, and the internet, well, to the extent that you guys forward it to me, I don't bother reading this mm-hmm. stuff myself, but you send me the craziest Still stuff. Above us. Yeah, I, know, I am. I, I don't know. dirty my hands yeah. with this yeah. riffraffy kind yeah. of activity. Yeah. But it, it seems to me there's an awful lot of confusion there about what the role of the church is. Okay. And you, know, you don't, well, maybe you do catch a taxi cab to get political advice. Every taxi I've ever caught, <laughs> the guys give mm-hmm. me political advice. But certain things do certain jobs, and the church is not there to regulate, officiate the ballot box. Right. Church is there to proclaim the gospel. Does that mean that the gospel has no impact on how one votes? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Clearly the gospel affects the whole of life, but it tends to do so in many ways indirectly by the shaping of character and attitude. So we hope that, you know, by sitting under the means of grace week by week, your character shaped in such a way that when you go into the ballot box, your decision is informed. Mm Mm-hmm. By what you've heard from the pulpit. Okay, so let's trace something out here that attaches to what you said earlier from the confession, which is Christian liberty being free from the law as a means for justification before God. Now, what fascinates me about that in some of the current conversations about Christian liberty is that usually our conversations about Christian liberty revolve around, am I allowed to drink? And if so, what? You know, does that mean just wine or beer, or, or can that mean spirits too? Sex, I mean, alcohol, tobacco. The <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and what's oftentimes missed is the fact that even for us to uphold Christian liberty, and we want to, I think oftentimes in popular circles, it's misunderstood to mean that we do not have a responsibility towards God's law. Simply by acknowledging that God's law plays no role in our justification does not mean that we are, quote, free from the law in every sense. Yeah, We're free from the law in terms of justification, mm-hmm. but we are not free from 
uh, from an obligation to God's moral standards. Westminster Confession 20, paragraph 3. They who upon pretense of Christian liberty do practice any sin or cherish any lust do thereby destroy the end of Christian liberty, which is that being delivered out of the hands of our enemies, we might serve the Lord without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. So again, I think they're just to sort of make a, a sort of tangential point, but often our minds are, are gripped when we hear the language of liberty of self-determination. Mm-hmm. Those people are free who are able to self-determine, determine their own existence, their own destiny. That's not the way Christians should use liberty. Mm-hmm. We are free to serve the Lord. And that service has a definite ethical shape, right. which, of course, brings us back then to the question of does voting have a definite ethical shape? Mm-hmm. Should one, for example, pull the lever for Trump simply because at the moment of the election he claimed to be pro-life right. or because we thought there was a good Supreme Court appointment yeah. that might come out of it yeah. as opposed to, let's say, Hillary Clinton had you know, her, her expressed concern for the poor or something like yeah. that. How do you make that judgment mm-hmm. as a Christian? Yeah. Is, is that a matter of liberty? Mm-hmm. So I had two sets of really interesting conversations, broadly speaking, um, during the selection cycle. One was with the and again, I'm speaking mostly on the Trump thing because it's inconceivable that anybody would vote for Hillary Clinton. Um, that said, you met the Christian Trump voters who were so excited that we were finally going to have a wonderful Christian man in the White House again, like Donald Trump, who was going to to be a means by which God would bring revival to America. And I mean, you had that stuff out there on social media. People were parroting those types of things. Then you had the people, and, and these were the folks that I identified with, even though I didn't make the same choice as them. I understood their struggle, which is, I don't want to vote for this man. He's obnoxious. I don't trust him, but I'm going to hold my nose and vote for him because I think Hillary Clinton is even worse. I get that. The lesser of two evils. I understood that. I understood that in that very pragmatic sense. I wasn't comfortable making that same choice, but I understood it. What I did not understand was, yes, Donald Trump, finally a great Christian man in the White House again. That's what flabbergasted me. But there's a flip side to that as well. And I've come across those who've said, you know, how Christians who said, how could a Christian vote? Right. Who seem to think that voting for Hillary was in the context a Christian imperative. Right. I mean, just what he, you know, that video released of how Mm -hmm. he was speaking of women and what Mm -hmm. he had done and bragging about it and then kind of laughing it off Mm -hmm. as locker room talk. I mean, that's just as horrifying Mm-hmm. It, it's terrible and it's horrifying. And, and, and what's interesting about those two candidates, Trump and Hillary Clinton, is that here you had Trump's misogyny, his just over the top, arrogant misogyny. But then you had Hillary Clinton's history of empowering her husband's misogyny. I know it's of bad empowering her ends. husband's. But like just beyond like what he said, like he would vote pro life and things like that. But looking at his character in general and how he how he treats people. Mm-hmm. Sure. And not just women. Well, and, and again, with, with both candidates, you had the same, you know, awful history of, just of, so disposable. of, of people using individuals as tools for their own aggrandizement. And, and, and so, I, I mean. The finger was going there. Yeah. Yes. I, the I think that there's sharpening there. that needed to happen that is still happening 
if we listen and right. talk about these mm-hmm. things instead of vilifying the people who voted for Hillary, vilifying the people who voted for Trump, and then vilifying my main thing I wanted to do as a pastor was correct notions that people had that were unbiblical about what the president was going to do. That was my main thing. And when people would come to me is just say, hey, listen, if you believe because people would come to me and say, is it okay for me to vote as a Christian? Is it okay for me to vote for Trump? That was kind of a big part of the questions I had. And I would always say, I I think so. It's not the choice I can make, but I think it's okay. So long as you don't think. Would you say that about Hillary? No. So I I, I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to because, (laughs) yeah, I mean, certain policy things, I think, again, I didn't say it from the pulpit, but. As people ask me, I, I wouldn't be able to say. <laughs> I didn't say it from the pulpit, but I did tell everybody I spoke to. I'm, I'm a human man, lady, a brother. A lady on the railway I'm, station. I'm, I'm a man, a citizen, a brother yeah. in Christ. Um, yeah. I, I don't have any problem outside of the yeah. pulpit answering a direct question about who I could or couldn't vote for. How about this as a way of looking at it as well? I think that both Clinton and Trump are functions of the coarsening of public life in America. Yes. Mm. They represent the crass and the coarse. Yes. Maybe Trump more obviously than Clinton. Now, all of those Christians who have been screaming and shouting on Twitter and on the blogs about the election on either side, they too are merely examples, representatives of the coarsening of public life. And what really sickens me about some Christian attitudes, and I used to think this was the way Christians would talk about Barack Obama, you may despise the man's policies, but he's the civil magistrate. Mm-hmm. He was Democrat. He's not even a tyrant. He's democratically elected mm-hmm. civil magistrate. Paul makes it very clear that the civil magistrate is to be respected as an office put in place by God. Right. When people go after, viciously go after the characters of those who occupy legitimate public office, then they become part of the problem, not part of the solution. And frankly, the crude and crass Christian Twitter sphere that trashes the president for using Twitter in a crude and crass mm-hmm, manner, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're simply a function of the wider culture that is produced and is represented by mm-hmm. Donald Trump. So I find a lot of the Christian attitude, period, right. towards people in elected high office to be inappropriate and unbiblical, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican who's there. Okay, and so I include your Facebook in that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I just include your face in it. So let me ask this. As we think about Christian liberty, one of the guiding principles that we gain, for instance, from the Apostle Paul in First Corinthians is this idea of the law of love. So whatever our liberties may be and however far our liberty extends, one of the things that we know helps to to fence in the choices that we make is love. How mm. am I loving my brothers and sisters. And so, you know, classic text on this would be from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Paul is actually quoting, you know, the Corinthians back to themselves, you know, all things are lawful. So the Corinthian church is a great kind of test case for this because they were a, a church that was very much into their liberty, but it was liberty expressed in spiritual immaturity, liberty expressed in a lack of love. They were suing each other and ignoring the less influential in the church. So all things are, are lawful for me. So that apparently was a a slogan in the Corinthian church and Paul answers back, but not all things are helpful. And he says it back again, all things are awful, but not all things build up. And so Paul goes on from there, you know, don't seek your own good, but the good of others. So as we think about our liberty, there is to be this constraining force that love brings to the extent that Paul was able to say, I have no 
problem eating meat sacrificed to an idol. But when I'm with people who are offended by that, then I'll give up that right. That's not a big deal for me to give up that right. Kind of like, you know, Amy and yoga and how she needs. He would have no problem with the poses. But if Todd walked in. Oh, my gosh. You know, we wouldn't do it because he's a weaker brother. Yeah, yeah. He can't disconnect it from, you know, all that other stuff. (laughs) All these other religious. No, I don't want Todd in a leotard doing uh, doing yoga poses. (laughs) You cannot compare meat to. Meat sacrificed to to idols. That's right. And Paul says an idol is nothing. But Hinduism and, and false gods are something. They're nothing. (laughs) Anyway, um, so the law of love. Now, here's my question. Here's my question. So while Paul says, you know, I've got the best love. I'm better at love than anybody. While Paul says, I'm going to constrain my rights by virtue of love. He also says elsewhere, I'm not going to be a slave to another man's conscience. So which is it? (laughs) Do I say no to my liberty for the sake of love? Or do I say I'm not going to be a slave of another man's conscience. This is where I think Aristotle is very helpful. I was going to say the same thing, but you please go. <laughs> no, the, one of the, the great I things... I was going to say that Jim Carrey was helpful here, but Aristotle <laughs> can go first. Aristotle, uh, Aristotle is the philosopher of common sense. And in his ethics, one of the points he makes again and again is that it's very difficult to generalize universally about specific cases. Even when it comes to law, there's such a thing as equity that may Mm -hmm. mean that the law doesn't quite apply in the same way in all times and all places. But one discerns that by being a virtuous person and being there at the time, Mm -hmm. being able to use that judgment. And I would say the question of Christian liberty cannot be solved in the abstract in the way that you're putting Mm it. Precisely because it is liberty. We can't produce a set of rules that we then have to obey Mm -hmm. that can be universally applied. Christian liberty is not an algorithm that you feed the situation and the answer comes out at the end. The situation always is more complicated in real life than it would ever appear in a textbook. And therefore, there is need for Christian discernment and judgment. Right. When it comes yeah. to and that's, specific like I said, cases, a hard thing. knowing people, and this well, and this takes me up to the importance of congregational life. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I was going to say because, because we think of it as a yeah. just me and God, yeah. and individualistic. It's one thing liberty. to sit here and say, "Well, I give this advice in general on voting." It's another thing to chat to that person in your mm-hmm. congregation, knowing their family history, knowing the the buttons they press. I mean, alcohol would be perhaps a less contentious example. I have no problem in having a drink. I enjoy a glass of wine, uh, but. I might be very careful if I knew that the person I was with was a former alcoholic mm-hmm. or grown oh, yeah. up in a – and that's, that's an obvious and simple example. Like if you were with ages. somebody who was Irish. Or I, if I was uh-huh. with somebody who was Irish, for example, <laughs> I would probably restrain myself. Um, but I think that, therefore, the, the question of love is one that requires maturity and discipleship. I think we learn. Right. We learn Christian wisdom by being Christians – living in a Christian community and learning the, the skill set, the instincts, the virtues that shape how we think in interacting with people. Mm-hmm. Well, we've, if we could move from Paul to Aristotle to Mike Allen, because I know he's like right up there with Paul yes, and yes. Aristotle. We're moving down Paul, Aristotle, <laughs> and Michael Allen. Yeah. But, uh, something that he, a quote from his book on sanctification that's coming out soon really stuck out to me. And he says, sanctifying fellowship is the goal of the gospel. And mm-hmm. I just think that that is, a profound statement because 
often we like to claim, you know, grace and the gospel and faith alone. And, um, and we do make it this individualistic thing with mm. our Christian liberty. But if we think about how we're called to holiness, not just individually, but also in fellowship with one another yeah. and stemming from our fellowship with the triune God, mm-hmm. with that in the forefront, I really do think that that affects our wisdom mm-hmm. and discernment then in these smaller issues. Mm-hmm. And I think to go back to the, the now more or less defunct emergent church movement, I think one of the things that the emergents got right in their early days was the need for community. Mm-hmm. That Christian yeah. liberty, we can talk about it in the abstract, I can read chapter 20 of the Confession. Ultimately, Christian liberty is worked out in practice in the community of Christians, right. where you know, issues such as how to vote, etc., are hashed out in real-life conversations mm-hmm. when you're, you're really connected. Right. Not on Facebook, Todd. Oh, huh. No, not yeah. on Facebook, or yeah. least of all on Twitter, that I am. Twitter. So you're saying Christians do not have <laughs> Sorry, the liberty? Gonna, oh, come on. You know you're a closet Twitter uh, watcher yeah, sometimes. Twitter, Christians have the liberty to be idiots and use a medium like Twitter. <laughs> so, so, it's not a sin. It's just stupid. So, <laughs> and, and, and we would, I would, we Stupidity probably, is not a sin in most cases. We, we probably agree that some of our, you know, super enthusiastic former Baptists who become Presbyterians and all of a sudden really excited yeah, about frat, dr- boy, frat boy Presbyterian about drinking over, yeah. beer and smoking a cigar. Yeah, yeah. That, that, you know, kind of posting all kinds of pictures with your beer and your cigar. Yeah, I've seen this thought appearing on the... Is probably not like the synchronon of the experience of Christian liberty. Sine qua non, I think, is the <laughs> oh way Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Yeah, Don't yeah, use yeah, Latin you, unless you can really read oh, it. That's oh, all. Oh, my goodness. Controversy. <laughs> Controversy. Controversy. Harassment. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, well, is there anything else we were going to say about this or, or have we exhausted? Um, are, are we done with anything so intelligent? Where do we fall with martial arts and stuff? Okay. So, well, that's easy. Obviously, yoga, still satanic. Martial arts, still satanic. Um, right? Uh, to self defense. Oh, oh, no, no, I'm all in. We wouldn't I, call that martial no, arts. No, well, no, no. I'm. Uh, so if you're in a gun, gun club or just. No, that's in fine. In self-defense be, be ready club, to, to defend. But if I am you call not a it martial arts. I'm not a pacifist. I'm just against um, Eastern pagan mysticism. What are you doing Eastern uh, pagan uh, mysticism? Apparently not everybody at this table has a problem with it. <laughs> you know, Chuck Norris. Chuck, Chuck is a great f- American, great American, great Martial Christian. Artists. Walker, Texas Ranger. Nah, American. After the Rockford Files, I think Walker, Texas Ranger is probably the only thing oh. worth watching on American Without television. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. There are some Eastern mystical elements there. Do you think Chuck sold out? Um, I and think he may be listening, so I'm, yeah. just <laughs> well, carefully yeah. answer this. I'm, I'm just going to pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, that solves that as Christian liberty not to listen. <laughs> you know, I, I actually, one, one of these days, we are going to have a serious conversation about yoga, and I'm going to convince you that. Uh... So, because I've done a couple stretches that may have it's been. A, uh, stretching is what baseball players do before yoga. a baseball game. Yoga leads to yoga pants, uh-huh. that leads to to watching Yogi Bear yes. on television. Which it's leads to making slope. sermon preparation and in coffee shops very I'm difficult. Defending, I'm not a big yoga person at all, but I'm just saying that you can separate well, the stretches. Well, apparently you are. Just like you can separate the food from the idols. Oh. You can separate the stretches from the poor Eastern religion Poor stuff. Amy. If I can bring us to a 
civilised clothes here. It's always fun to watch that. ignorant Americans slugging it out in front of me. Uh, it makes me so glad that we lost the revolution, actually. I am absolutely... These colonies I am delighted to have no passport in common with you two. Uh, that is a source of great joy and thankfulness to the mm-hmm. Lord, actually. Well, I'm that. just thankful that um, I'm a part of a country that knows how to cook meat over fire instead of just boiling it. Ew. <laughs> well, on that note, we will round things off. We have a, a giveaway. We're not celebrities, of course, but we do have a number of signed posts, notification spin <laughs> yeah. posters that if you go to our website and uh, you can see how you can obtain a, a free mortification spin poster, that would grace mm-hmm. any... Uh, yoga dojo or whatever you call these places where you do these I'm things. I'm putting it down in my workout um, area. So, yeah, great for anybody doing yoga. Mortification of spin poster. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us today. Please visit our website, mortificationofspin.org. Even more so, please donate to keep us on the air. If we can get rid of the two Americans, I think we could massively improve the program. Maybe we should start a, a campaign for more English voices. I just, the, I just want to emphasize again. Carl's making up his English accent. He was raised in Wildwood, New Jersey. <laughs> and this whole thing is a sham. And one of these days, I'm going to expose it. Yeah. And uh, if, <laughs> if Amy Mantravadi is listening, I'd just like to say that she has not been a good influence on, on the other <laughs> Yeah, she's Amy. making Amy more obnoxious, our Amy. She is. Yeah. She is. I love her. But, uh, but anyway, thank you all she's for like listening. Her. And we look forward to you joining us next time. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about... Well, well it's very English. I feel like I need to be—I need to have a cup of tea and start being very pretentious all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, I'm, well, actually, I'm actually glad to have some sophisticated and intelligent company to speak to on the podcast. <laughs> well, let's get down to business, shall we? Because I think that's something that we really struggle with is how to evangelize to those around us, our neighbors, those we're working with, family members. There are three words uh, that you can, that really sum up the course, identity, mission, and call. We'll talk to you next time on Mortification of Spin. There's no such thing as secular yoga. There is. There is not. There is. There is not. Children. I win. Children. I could, should I do the warrior pose oh, right please, now and please, the I'll do the it. House? I'll do the upward dog or whatever it is. <laughs> it's a downward dog. Yeah, it's a downward dog. Even Isn't worse. Upward dog? And it's all... It, yoga is How as do you much... How Christian yoga? Yo, oh, there's no such thing. Yo, <laughs> uh, that's like, that's like, I agree um, with you there. Th- that's like Hindu Lord's Supper. There's no such thing.